Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who's not at all prepared for the Christmas shopping season. It's producer Mason. How are you doing today, Mason? Uh, broke and very much not feeling the Yuletide spirit yet because it is only the 21st of November. <laughs> ah, but the commercials have been on forever. <laughs> and also joining us somewhere from his cave, his studio cave in the wilds of West St. Louis County, is a man who hasn't yet completely thawed out from last week's City Park opening match. It's Sean Campbell. How's your week been, Sean? Oh, it's been fantastic. Finally have my voice back. World Cup started. I'm a very tired man. I watched all three games today. It's I'm in for a long week of soccer. It's going to be great. Good thing it only happens every four years for this, isn't it? Eh, I think they should go to every two years. I'd be down with that. <laughs> I bet you would. And uh, <laughs> also joining us, a man who thinks he could have saved Gareth Bale's penalty kick while Matt Turner could not. It's Chris Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Chris? Uh, you know, it's been a very weird day because I was at work and then at about 2.45 for some reason, Twitter got very mad at some guy named Zimmerman. <laughs> I and wonder yeah. who it could be. Yeah, was, it, was it not you? <laughs> it I hope him. not. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you're the main character today. <laughs> yeah. You know. Today, it was a different Zimmerman. Any other day at 2.45, we're all mad at Chris. That's the way yeah. that goes. I offered my neighbor's soup. <laughs> <laughs> you did an ableism. You did not repent. <laughs> it, it is our daily, daily airing of grievances against Chris. Oh, my God. I tell you who I don't think had any grievances with us, Sean, was... Uh, our host, Phil West of the Striker News, had us on his Westward Ho podcast this week, Sean and I, and uh, we were talking St. Louis City and some World Cup, along with our old friend Jeremiah Bentley of Moon Tower Soccer. Uh, if you want to listen to that, if you haven't already, you can go ahead and pick up that link in the show notes. Just a little, you know, bald face self-promotion going on there. But why are we here? Well, we're here to talk about the game of soccer, not talking about soccer while we talk about soccer. And I uh, will open this up with some, uh, you know, kind of big news for St. Louis City this week. The beer fridges were full. I know this because <laughs> I was at the opening of City Park along with all of us this past uh, Wednesday as they took on Bayern Leverkusen of the Bundesliga in a friendly for actually a City 2 friendly. And, uh, the match itself was kind of a sideline, I guess, uh, especially when you're taking on a UEFA Champions League club against an MLS Next Pro club. I'm going to be honest, I, I hardly watched the game at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably just as well as City 2 did fall to Bayern Leverkusen 3-0 in the opening game. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi gets the first ever goal at City Park, while Adam Lozek scores Leverkusen's next two goals. Uh Actually, I thought City 2 held themselves up pretty well. Uh, Hudson Adoy's uh, goal came, what, 30, 38th minute or something like that, but it was 2 0 at halftime. They got the third. Uh, Edward Leuven had a nice free kick that claimed off the post. And from what I understand, we can expect a lot of nice free kicks. Just hope they don't all claim off the post. 
And uh, Cecilia Pompeo came in in the second half and uh, had a nice strike as well that forced a big save from the uh, goalkeeper for Bayern Leverkusen. But all in all, it just always seemed like, you know, it was a friendly. It yeah. just seemed like Leverkusen mm-hmm. could pull another hand out from behind their back and put the game away if they had to, if it was important. But it wasn't. Yeah. City 2 played really well, but like... In our heart of hearts, we always knew it was going to yeah. be a result like this, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We, I mean, we all kind of, we all kind of saw it, saw it coming that we were going to get, you know, pub stomped. But the showing on the field from the guys is what we really focused on. Because I mean, it was a friendly. You focus on the, yeah, on the yeah. quality of play, not on the scoreline. No, yeah, we were. It focused. was a good showing. What we were focused on was the stadium. Yeah. Well, cool. uh, coming out of the tunnel, walking in the supporters section the first time. The lights, the LEDs going off around the rim, it pulled full of people, the wheel in the background all lit up in city colors. Mm-hmm. It was quite literally uh, awe-inspiring, more than awesome. It was awe-inspiring. It was and, uh, quite a show. And we were standing right behind the goal, maybe five rows up. Except for Chris. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Chris was like <laughs> like five rows below us and facing the wrong way. <laughs> they had I, the action on the screen true. that he could watch so he knew what was going on. He actually got to watch yeah, no, most honestly, of the game this time. Honestly, yeah, I saw more of this game than I saw most of the ones at Ralph Cordy because I could look at the screen up behind the supporter section. Yeah. But um wow, that was it was insane in there. And a, shlou- a shout out to Chris in Florida Noise. Uh, did watch the replay of the game. Uh, and boy, the drums were loud. The chants were loud. Everything was there. A uh, lot of people went for a walkabout at halftime. You could tell there's a lot of people there because the crush on some of the concourses <laughs> was tight. You could I not go tell you. anywhere. Yeah, there was moments of just standing there. I figured. That's happening a lot because, one, people hadn't quite figured out how to use the app and order. Kind of hard to order from a shop when you didn't really know where it was in the stadium. Uh, That'll get all figured out. And people like me just wandering around, looking at everything, trying to see the sight lines and all that. Yeah. One thing that um, I got to be honest, I didn't think of much when we were there, but I've been thinking about um, since is... um, they really got to alleviate those lines because, wow, if somebody needs like medical attention or like if there's somebody trying to go through there with a wheelchair or something, that's going to be a nightmare. Um, the concourse, especially right behind the sports section, was hell. You could not move back there during halftime. So... I'm hoping that that will get a little sorted out as people get more used to the kind of pay ahead or the um, the kind of like Amazon go shop, whatever thing mm. that they've got set up right the there. The marketplace. Yeah, the marketplace thing. But um, at this game, there was some very serious logistic issues um, that uh, I'm hoping get ironed out because otherwise there's going to be some problems I foresee in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was what we expected for this kind of game was this yeah. is mm-hmm. a shakedown of the stadium. Um, I know that I'm pretty sure every single employee was taking a lot of notes during the game. 
and learning. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a very long debrief, a whole lot of problem solving before we get back around to the stadium in February. So there were problems, but I have faith they're going to get ironed out. If not by the season opener, by midseason. I also feel like part of that uh, crowd in the concourse was the fact that it was halftime. And especially around the supporter section, most people don't leave until it's halftime or end of the game. You don't you don't have as many people getting out in the middle of the game to go out to the concourse to get their stuff. Well, that's why I waited until the middle of the half to do it. But um, also, like, I don't know, man, I've been to like blues games and during the middle, like in between periods, it's not that bad. So right, right. But at hockey games, more people are, are willing to get up in the middle of it and go get their stuff is what I'm saying. Sure, I suppose. Also, probably won't have as many looky-loos like I was doing. There's a lot of people just running around the stadium, Mm -hmm. you know, not in their section, creating more of a crush than they would expect just from people in those sections coming into that portion of the concourse. Actually, speaking of that, I was wondering why I was being asked to show my ticket every time I went back to the supporter section. I bet that's probably why they didn't want people sneaking into the supporter section um, when they're supposed to be somewhere else. Could be. Yeah. I <laughs> the one time I walked back into the, st- the section was I was bringing back a beer for myself and three um three of those like water cans for other like capos down front and like they asked me for my ticket I'm like how do I juggle my <laughs> things in my arms and pull my phone out because I was not mentally prepared for this at all yeah. yeah. There's some things, uh, stadium, probably, certainly expecting some kinks as it's sort of like a beta version of the stadium on opening. Also, us and the fans have a little bit to get used to as well. Uh, A lot of these Hmm. problems were, you know, curious uh, looking around. Also, a lot of walking because it was cold. Yeah. And it was very cold. Um, Although it it got warmer in the stadium, I was... um, at least down where we were, closer to the pitch, I was pleasantly surprised at how much the wind was cut down. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's because we ended up kind of below street level, but like I was really worried about the that open air design, letting a lot of that really bitter cold wind that we had in that day, like just blowing through and freezing all of our asses off. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was cold. The air temperature was very low. It was cold that day. But once we got in there, it wasn't nearly as bad as it was at the tailgate with that wind howling mm-hmm. down the Absolutely. Down, uh, St. Yeah. Luligan Street, 21st yeah. Street. Which, the tailgate was a lot of fun. I gotta say that, but... Yeah, the tailgate was fun, but it was miserable. But the thing is, the wind, I noticed, because I was parked on Locust, and the wind was blowing from the north-south, because the second I walked onto Locust Street, it was n- nearly as bad, but that alley with its north-south direction was just letting the wind howl through the, so, like the gutter yeah yeah so i'm wondering if you know we get a, a wind from the west how well the stadium's gonna block it but yeah once she got down there it was nice i was actually taking off layers by the end of the game <laughs> I, you were working hard banging on those drums we were jumping around and yelling i was pleasantly warm in the stadium Getting outside and the wind howling again. At least it wasn't howling that late. But uh, yeah, that was a shock to the system, I have to tell you. Yeah. One thing that got me is that a couple of times I turned around and um, 
you know, <laughs> initiated myself as a extra capo, like I've done sometimes at City 2 games Same. with Ralph Cordy. Yeah. But um, when I turned around and I looked up and like was like trying to amp up the crowd, one thing I noticed is that like, wow, like I was I got kind of blown away when I did the tour and I looked up and I saw just the seats empty. When I looked up and like everyone was there. Oh man! Mm-hmm. Wow, all of humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you look straight up and you see fifteen faces all in a row, and then you still can't see all the ones behind them. And it's just, oh yeah, it is a wall of it's, people. It's, <laughs> this is actually yeah, like, really funny. When every time I did that to turn around, you'd think it would just be like a sea of people, right? You'd never be able to pick out anyone. Every time I did it, I ended up locking eyes with Rob every time. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pretty yeah, guy. I am down. <laughs> front. Yes, Rob is very handsome. <laughs> down, like down front and center, it was like I could really probably see maybe a half, if not a third, of the stand. Like I, you cannot see a lot of it from any one spot. It is so steep, and like I couldn't see the corners at all. Oh yeah, and I noticed like people taking photos from up top. You couldn't you couldn't see me. I was down front and center, but if anyone took a photo for more than like five rows up, you can't see me there. I could barely see. Just, so I saw steep. just your head, like from your from the middle yeah. of your neck up, and I was standing oh, yeah. right yeah. We behind were only the drums. Like, yeah, we were only like five rows up, and it was hard to pick you out. <laughs> yeah, and I was standing like you know one foot on the railing and one f- actually both feet on the railing, just different railings. Like I was elevated, I saw like three feet up. I had <laughs> pregame, I was like standing there, just like stretching up, making sure I was comfortable standing there. And I had two people who I had never met before just walk between my legs like like there was some wicked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nice just to meet all you. family. We're all yeah. family at a soccer match. <laughs> What's a little split in the ladder between friends, right? <laughs> yeah. And the game was a big deal on Wednesday, but that wasn't the only big deal on Wednesday as uh, St. Louis City SC unveiled their much-awaited kit for the upcoming season or two. Uh, A nice little thing, not a cookie-cutter outfit at all. It shows the design they put into it to think they started this process at least two years ago before they knew that it would be uh, delayed for a year because of COVID with the start of the club. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts on the new kit? I, f- I figure, Chris, you go first since you actually got one. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my verdict is I would give it a very strong A minus. It is very good, not great. Like I think there are much better designs in this branding, and we're going to see better shirts in the future. But for an inaugural kit, it looks good. It looks good. I like it. Um, You know, there's no buyer's remorse for me whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not sure I could give it a grade or a rating per se. All I know is it looks crisp. The yellow piping along the side and then down the back really makes it. And now that I think about it more, um, on the right side, it's got that like um, uh, somewhat tire tracks. It's not, I don't think it's tire tracks. I think it's supposed to be like a checkerboard almost, like a type feel to it, which I think is a nice call to the old Purina logo because they're the, you know, sponsors of the jersey and also the, you know, Luligans jerseys that we all wear that we we love to be a part of because (laughs) it's who we are. It's our group. 
Um, but no, I, I, it's a very solid Jersey. I think, I think there's better ones in the league at the moment, but also those are also because they're iconic jerseys at this point or color schemes. Um, but very, all in all, very good Jersey design. I, I love it. Uh, the gray design is supposed to emulate, uh, they said the arch and I'm assuming that's the Mm. panels of stainless steel on the arch. Like they have underneath the ceilings at the stadium there as well. That Uh, one thing. Uh, one thing I'd like to see is that muted a little bit going forward. It's a little strong, but uh, yeah, that <laughs> we did have a comment at the tailgate from someone that it did look like tire tracks. <laughs> you know, you're a real fan. You get run over by a car and you still make it to the tailgate in the game. That's a real fan. Yeah, I yeah. had when um, like before the game started, I was standing like you know field side about. 20 minutes before the game starts, I got a text from a friend of mine who is not a soccer fan at all, but it was a picture of the kit saying like, man, how mad are you about this? And I said, actually, I love it. He goes, really? With that watermelon looking color? I'm like, no, we did this a year and a half ago. Stop. Stop. I'm not doing this again. The color is great. I love that they used, they went hardcore and that the pink is the primary color on the kit. I think that's. Oh, yeah, that's a great touch. And I will say the lighting on the um, like press photos when they revealed the kit made it look a lot lighter than it actually is, like in person. Yeah, because yes, I have um, been looking at mine a lot the past few days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like, yeah, Chris got one. We all saw it. Um, It looks much darker than does in the press photos, but it's it's city red. It's pink. We've all been over this. Mm. Um, I will say the design that they've got on the side. Um, they say it's supposed to be evocative of the arch. Yeah, I don't know if they really pulled that off, but I think what they're going for is specifically it is the like one leg of the arch canted over like 90 degrees. So it's supposed to be the leg of the arch going over to the side, I think. Yeah, it is. If you drive by the arch at a certain time of day, that is how the light reflects off of those panels on the side of the arch. And uh, the other thing about the city red, which they there's no shame in their game with city red on those jerseys. Uh, if you get in the lighting, that color changes. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. the right lighting; it's very pink, and then you get in a shade, and then it's a much darker red. So there's something in that color that probably leads to why it sometimes it looks more pink, and other times it looks can look like a pretty deep red, even just discounting like the subjective perception of color, even. It just, yeah, it just, it is perceived different in different lights. That's an interesting, like, pearlescent quality, especially of the kits, but just of the the tone itself. Any other thoughts on the kit release? Significantly better than I feared. Yeah, I was worried they were going to go with just a, a slate gray jersey with, like, pink, like, the pink piping and then, you know, the logo on it, and it, it's... That would not have looked yeah. good at all, but I was af- I was afraid we were going to get that. Well, we might for the away kit. We haven't seen that yet. Oh God! <laughs> I listen. I do don't want to make this a call thing, but I saw a lot of people reading way too much into the fact that they use the arch for a teaser. Like, oh, it's going to be a great jersey. No, it's St. Louis and the arch. Why are you reading into this so much? <laughs> Of course, it's, it's one the of the what three kind? things we're known of. 
It's yeah. it's like, like it's like being have... in high school English class and the teacher is is talking about about any sort of literature book whatsoever. It has to <laughs> Sometimes read Sometimes the curtains everything. are just blue. Yeah, you, why were they taking the blue, teaser though. photo on the arch in Emo's or Becky's carpet outlet? Those were the three options. <laughs> well, okay, okay. You could have also gone with like uh never mind, I'm blanking. You could have done no, it I, at the on like the hill, one of the hill signs or something like that. I, I I do I do now want a drone pulling a carpet with like a, <laughs> a mannequin wearing the kit going around the arch because you mentioned Becky. Now that has to be done. Congratulations. Um, but uh, I will say, yeah, I I'll think that this would about that. I think you'll be on board. <laughs> I will say, uh, one thing that like I stood out to me is that like wow adidas is really strict on their templating huh because like we had two years to work on it and we were only to deviate like that much from mm-hmm. like just a plain ass with with the three stripes on the shoulder <laughs> i'd wow okay yeah that's uh that's rough if that's the most imaginative you can get in two years which raises the question, how much did LAFC spend on their home kits because they don't look like anything else in MLS? The black with the gold and simple. Well, I mean, I I don't think they probably spent much at all because it's, it's actually, it's a pretty, it, the LAFC yeah. jerseys look really sharp, but they're also really simple. That is mm. true. It's black, it's got the pattern up front, and then they put the crest in the middle, and that's really about, that's about it. Yeah. Cities uh, for home for the first time for the expansion season or for seasons. Uh, that kit's kind of busy. It's striking. Uh, see if it simples out as we go along. I'd probably like to see that as it progresses through the years. One thing that I it uh, it certainly looks better to me than um, the kits that the Philly Union were wearing this year, which uh, as much as I like the Philly Union, I thought those kits were atrocious. <laughs> Now, will the uh, will the yellow will that be prominent in the third kit? I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> St. Louis City Reverse Retro. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I I hope to God not because uh, we have we have enough yellow team jerseys in the league with Nashville and Columbus. I don't want another one. I will say shout out to uh, Mark and Gina from No Nap City who designed their own kit and are selling it in olive in york and if you look at the no nap city kit it is oh, yeah, strikingly primo. similar it, a it looks good b it is very similar to the actual kit they called it yeah i uh <laughs> reminds me of the joke that i made the other week that was like uh what if they had to redesign it because the luligans got it right <laughs> <laughs> we to come out with a bunch of uh wide stripes alternating pink and white you know like (laughs) just different colors than say atlanta or austin or those that have those that came out lately kmox was walking around the tailgate and they were i don't know who they were talking to everyone about but they're asking the punks what we want for our mascot and honestly just take what no nap city designed (laughs) i said it should be a I, i said it should be a live dog no, 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 no. If it's not <laughs> the Nonap City, very mask of Majora's mask esque mascot, um, I, I think it needs to be Becky on her flying carpet. <laughs> okay, let's split the difference. Let's 
put Tiki Taka on a flying carpet and then it crash lands into a bucket of toasted ravioli. Let's cover <laughs> all our bases here. You know, we, we could a walkie we could get talking something toasted from Fitz's ravioli. Or Fitz's root beer. It's a bottle of root beer, everybody. It's Fitz's root beer. There we go. <laughs> but that isn't all that happened for City this week. There was other news. We picked up more players. Players we actually know quite a bit about. Uh, from City 2, Akil Watts did sign to the first team. Uh, and Cecilio Pompeo and Max Schneider had their options exercised by the club. So that brings our total to, what, 19 players we now have officially. That's pretty good haul this early in the expansion season so far. Uh, not sure if any of these are going to be senior roster contracts or supplemental contracts. Uh, the expansion draftees that we picked up... Uh, they weren't always on senior contracts, but they must be on the senior roster uh, due to MLS rules upcoming. Uh, if these players are all senior, it leaves a lot of cap room, but not very many uh, senior roster spots as far as I can figure. Don't have any definitive ones on that. And we still need right backs. We still need some help in central midfield and uh, possibly some more depth at striker is needed. Uh on that, I don't think we need depth of striker. I think we need forward wingers. More wingers? Okay, we, like we don't have eight. any forward wingers. We got like eight or nine of them. No, we, those are all mid wingers. No, not all of them. Up front, we only have Klaus and Giacchini. Oh, that's what I meant by striker. Yeah, those are the only two, but we don't have anyone on the wing up front. Well, we got, well, that's just the style that they play. We've got Ostrak, we've got. Jensen, we've got uh, Pompeu takes that role. Uh, you've got Indiana Vasilev. Uh, that's just the ones right off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'm missing some. But uh, wingers were good at. Center backs were no. really full on. Uh, unless they're going to move, uh, say, Yarrow or somebody, try to move them over to right back. Uh, I've seen that mooted, and it should be mooted. Should be kicked right out, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And also, I guess at least just like a literal, like, what are they listed on on the roster position change? Because all of the wingers we have are currently listed as midfielders. So that's that's, you know, their preferred position, but they can play up. It's 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 fluid. It's like it, it gets into the argument of is Brendan Aronson technically a midfielder or a forward? He plays he could play the wing. He can play as a as a attacking mid. It, it's it's kind of what's the word looking for? Um, um, uh, Sublantics. That's the word I'm looking for. Semantics. That's the one I'm actually looking for. Sublantics. Sorry, it's, it's an old it's an old inside joke from college. Okay. Whenever we got too nitpicky in a friend group discussion because we were all honors college kids in freshman year, you know, we knew the word was semantics, oh but we'd be like, "Eh, semantics, sublantics. It's it's a whole thing. It's it's an inside joke from college. Okay, don't hate me." Note to all the parents out there, don't send your kids to that college. Yeah. Also, somehow in, in a conversation where I was showing my entire ass, you managed to say the stupidest thing. <laughs> oh, now you're just attacking my, my inside jokes with my friends. Now you're just being mean. 
Okay, let's All right, move all right everybody, you, you heard it. Cancel Mason. He's being mean. <laughs> but uh, one thing out of all this is City 2 is going to be a much different team going forward. Much more focus on development. Uh, Josh Dolling was the one, one of the ones that- Everyone's did, gone. You didn't have their options exercise. There's still only four players remaining with City 2 at this time. Uh, Juan Cousin, Ezra and Dita Armstrong, and Sergio Rivas. Everyone else was did either not have went, the options. Went, either went up. back to the academy or let go. Now mm-hmm. to be to clarify, um, I believe I retained some information here from our roster rules throw-ins. Um, can they they can still negotiate a new contract with these players that they didn't op- they didn't exercise the option on? Correct. Sure. Yeah, I we don't really know how the MLS Next Pro roster rules work because they are different. Um, but I know there's there are in conversations with some of the players to bring them back. Two that I remember are Politzolo and Creek. They are in talks to bring them back to City Two, but just basically everyone was let go except for those four and the three that came up. Mm. I forget if it was today or yesterday, but. Josh Shoro posted a photo on Instagram of him wearing the new first team kit. And that made me like, I, I knew I loved Josh Shoro, but that made me happier than I thought it was going to. It was. A, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved seeing that so much. Absolutely love love our captain there. I, I really hope he gets a chance to actually captain this club at, at first team level because yeah. it, it's it just makes sense for that. For He's been such a big part of, of connecting the actual players on the pitch with the fans in the stands. And it it really ties together the camaraderie of not just us fans and just the team, but it's one big community. And I really love that. And I think he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And he looked pretty good against Leverkusen. Like he held his ground. Yeah. Josh Yarrow has been good for City 2 all season. Um, We already kind of knew he was going to jump to the first team, but it's still it's good to like get the confirmation, see him in the kit and, you know, get his payoff. Right. Because oh, he's yeah. been working real hard for years to get back into NLS. So let's not forget he was the number two overall pick in the super draft with the Philadelphia Union back in the day as well. I there guess we was... finally we finally got our answer on Juan Kazane. Yeah. Yeah. We did finally. Uh we will see, or perhaps if you're willing to travel out to sunny climbs come uh the dead of winter. Uh, these St. Louis City SC players will get a full taste of what it's going to be like against MLS competition as they will play preseason in the Coachella Valley Invitational in uh, Palm Springs in Indio, California. Uh, There's 12 MLS teams going to participate in the preseason camp there. And along with City, you're going to see Charlotte, DC United, the Galaxy, LAFC, Minnesota United, NYCFC, New York Red Bulls, interesting <laughs> clash of styles between those two. Uh, Portland Timbers, San Jose Earthquakes, Toronto, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Those will be the 12 teams uh, getting ready for the upcoming season all together in the Coachella Valley. Damn, Out Coachella seems lit this year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who's headlining? <laughs> uh, City, obviously. I can't wait to buy my four hundred dollar ticket to go 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 to Coachella for a week. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna mosh at the City SC supporter section? <laughs> me, me. Let's open up this pit. 
But if you're looking for somewhere to go in uh, late January, early February, going out west to the desert, I can tell you this desert riot will tell you the weather's going to be just fine out there. Much better than here, most likely. And while we're still on St. Louis City SC, we did uh, get some listener questions in uh, this week. So we thought we'd uh, we'd go over a couple of those and try to give some answers, if we have answers. And uh, what's our first question, Mason? Uh, yeah, I'm playing uh, moderator here. Um, Phil Murphy, at PDMurph58 on Twitter. Do you know if clubs invite non-roster players to training camp or limit the camps to players on the roster for City, City 2, and the Academy players? Does City have a scouting department, or do the coaches and Chile handle the scouting? Well, the first one, it's possible that they'll have, uh, you know, invitees, non-rostered invitees. Many clubs do. It just comes down to the way that they feel. If they feel they've got a team and they don't want to do tryouts, they just want to focus on uh, getting work in for the club, that's what they'll do. But they can, and many teams do bring in non-roster invitees to trial out to see if they can you know, take a spot. And uh, does City have a scouting department? Well, they do have Alessandro Soli, a European-based scout. They have they a hide. scout. <laughs> and uh, the rest of it's pretty much been handled by Lutz on the phone, 24 hours a day, as he said. Uh, you've got Hackworth there that knows youth teams. you got Chile, and it's pretty much the coaching staff and Alessandro Soli over in Europe. As far as we know, there's anybody else they haven't told us. Uh, next one from Vonder James at STL Cinder Ace. Looks like STL used Tam to buy Berkey down to a non-DP contract instead of making him a third DP. Why? If I'm reading the rules right, it was just under a million in Tam to buy him down, and paying the luxury tax for a third DP probably costs less. Uh, it's a simple thing. If they they were able to get him in on a free. So there's no acquisition cost tied into his salary budget charge. And uh, they were able to get him in a salary that was just a million over uh, the maximum salary limit. Makes sense to use TAM, keep that DP free uh, to sign someone who might have a large acquisition cost and perhaps a higher salary if they need it. Also makes sense to keep that DP slot open as long as you can. In case you have serious holes in the squad that you think need to be filled during the summer transfer window. Uh, so if you can buy them down and keep that free, that's, uh, that is a wise course of action. Uh, Joseph Illiff. Hello, Joseph. Uh, at Seek Out Wisdom. How does someone's roster spot affect non-MLS games? Like, can a pl- club play or bench any player, senior, supplement, next pro, in a cup match or preseason? Does the salary cap only apply to regular season matches? Uh, salary cap really only applies to MLS, you know, actual games, regular season playoffs, of course, on that. Uh, clubs can sign players from their MLS Next Pro roster. Uh, regular season, there's a maximum of four times each player uh, up, but that does not apply to, say, U.S. Open Cup and I assume for the League's Cup, we haven't had a full listing of rules coming out of that. Oh, my. Um, but uh, bring in outside players, roster players, that that doesn't really happen. 
they'll pull them up from MLS Next Pro and often do to give the, uh, you know, the ones in development that they think can help and give a rest. They'll pull them up for U.S. Open Cup games and now the League's Cup. Mark Kriegsies at Mark Kriegsies. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Uh, if it hasn't already been mentioned, can you explain how contract options work? We recently decided not to take contract options on City 2 players, but could still sign them. Is that a new contract? Uh, in this case, yeah, the way the options work, it's in the negotiations. There's either player options or club options. Club will often, uh, to extend a contract, maybe get somebody signed, extend option years onto the contract. Then at the end of every season, they decide to you know, pick up that option or decline them and set the player free. Uh, and what that means is they don't want to continue on with that particular player under that current contract but they are free to go ahead and negotiate with them uh, for a short window. And uh, then that would be a new contract because when they decline the option, uh, they're no longer under contract. And the same thing works with the player option. Player could decide, no, I want to try my hand on the free market and see what I can get. And there's mechanisms to where that player could then end up back with, say, City if, Things just aren't panning out the way they want, and the club wants them back even though they opted out of that. And oftentimes in negotiations with agents and the club personnel, uh, they already know about these options and have discussed them ahead of time. And I think that's all the uh, questions we have this week. We had many more questions come in, which is good. Keep them rolling into us at Soccer Capital on Twitter or SoccerCapital at gmail.com. We're happy to answer them. We've got some other ones we'll get to in uh, future shows. Uh, thank you very much. And that's about all that we have for uh, St. Louis City news this week. And it was a good week. Lots of stuff going on. There's one more elephant in the room for us to uh, discuss, and that is the World Cup. Being held in the welcoming and uh, the bosom of humanity that is Qatar. Yeah, where, I... every, where the beer flows like... Sand. <laughs> like honey. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love watching my first ever World Cup that I've really been invested in. Love to see it being played in a country that I absolutely would not be jailed in for my sexuality. I think that's fantastic. Well, good for you. And uh, don't go to Qatar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's make it very strictly clear. We're not happy at all about this World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. But... I, I will say it is amazing. Like sports washing has become the easiest thing in the world. Like China did it very, very well at the Olympics this year. But Qatar just I they've Streisand affected themselves into being one of the most hated countries on the planet. You ask the average guy in, you know, England ten years ago, oh, what him a Qatar? Like, oh, there's the people that sponsor Barcelona, right? That's about all their knowledge. They are like the most hated country on the planet right now. Like they have <laughs> failed at the easiest thing possible. It's like Trump not being able to run a casino. How even do you like, mess this up? Like four, even four years ago, like when they hired the son of the Nazi architect to design the stadiums that were being built with slave labor, even then Wait. people were like, yeah, what's Qatar? It's it's that country by Saudi Arabia, right? <laughs> Wait, um, I'm are you are you telling me Albert Speer's son yes, designed the stadium? Yes, Albert yes, Speer. Mm -hmm, yes. Are you what the f 
<laughs> okay, I'm yeah. on I'm on Wikipedia right now. Children. Albert Speer's son? He'd be pretty old, wouldn't he? Oh, oh yeah, he's old as my... He's 83, but oh, oh the longer God. you the longer you look at this World Cup and the, the worse it gets. Fumbled, the worse it gets. The worse it gets. I, it's like that picture. The more you look at it, the more St. Louis it gets. No, this is the more you look at it, the more horrifically this has been bungled. I'm gonna be honest, man. I've been talking a lot about how about how the Cutter World Cup is real bad. I honestly I forgot about Spear until it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> right here. <laughs> you know, you know what's really messed up is that he named his son Albert Jr. Yeah. His son's named Albert Speer Jr. Look, when you get when you get stuff still. when you when you get Operation Paperclip, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I also want to mention because especially because like the FIFA president like bent over backwards to be like pretend to be an anti-colonialist about this. Yeah, no, I, we also all have very checkered past when it comes to human rights. That doesn't make what's happening in Qatar okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, a, every you, country has skeletons in their closet. The bodies in Qatar are still fresh. Yeah. Anyway, all right, yeah, this is uh, the Soccer Capital's fun politics corner. Let's get on to the game, I guess. <laughs> and so uh, we're recording this on Monday evening after watching uh, today's afternoon festivities as the U.S. men's national team opened up play in the World Cup. Uh, you probably heard by the time this gets out, uh, the U.S. did come to a frustrating draw, 1-1 draw with Wales. In the match, but it was an exciting match in the best of the uh, nascent World Cup so far. And to give us a rundown, here's Sean Campbell. Yeah, uh, this was the the I guess, for lack of a better term, nightcap because it was it finished up at about eleven o'clock their time p.m. Um, it, it was the nightcap on my day of watching World Cup soccer. I watched a, I watched England absolutely beat down on Iran. I watched the Netherlands get a nice a nice game in against Senegal, and then I watched this. Yeah, uh, I can only call it a game. That's the only thing I could say about it. Um, we came out in the first half, looked lively, we looked energetic, we looked dominant. Is the word you I have to use for that. Um. We ended up going up 1-0 on a Tim Weah goal that had some beautiful build-up play from Josh Sargent and Christian Pulisic, who lays the ball off. And and Tim Weah just deftly touches it with the outside of his boot just underneath the keeper and puts us up 1-0. And, and that stadium, you could tell. It, it felt like a home game at that point. And we were halfway across the planet. Absolutely beautiful. Um some notes on that first half. It was we had a lot of a lot of great possession. Uh, we were moving them side to side. There, there were some great dribbles. There was questionable refing to say the least. Oh um, man, was there? Yeah, uh, the, the 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 who the outlaws that actually made it over there did in fact start chanting "Ref, you suck!" at some point. <laughs> can can and... we talk about the goal kick? <laughs> Oh no, let's let's not let that be the thing we talk about from Matt Turner. Okay? Cuz No, 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 no. The Pulisic the Pulisic foul that went for a goal kick. Oh, oh, that atrocity? Oh yes, no, we have yeah. to talk about okay. that. Yeah, okay. So there, yeah, like right on the borderline of the box, Pulisic gets fouled. So, we go to VAR, right? Because this is either 
a free kick right at the top of the box or it's a penalty. But instead, it is called a secret worst third thing where the ball went out for a goal kick for Wales. How? The ball, How? <laughs> the worst? No, the worst part about it was they 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 let they held off the goal kick to double check with VAR, but the ref didn't end up going and looking at it. Um, the worst thing about this is the after Pulisic gets pulled down, I believe it was on the side of the box, not the top of the box, but still he gets he gets taken out, absolutely taken out. The ball goes out off of a Welsh defender, and I believe they just like kicked it like almost straight out, and they still somehow called it a goal kick. At very least, it should have been a corner kick, but it really should have been a foul, a, a free kick for us going into the box, and it wasn't. This this is the worst part. This has happened several times. That's not the one I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking oh. about the one where he got clipped from behind because the ball came off his foot. It came off of Pulisic's foot, and it went straight off. Straight oh, you're talking about that one. Point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you're not going to call that a foul, which it was, but if you're not going to call it one, then it was a goal kick. However, there were really only two options, which is either that is a free kick at the top of the box or it's a penalty. And that depends on where the foul happened. However, the ref called it a secret third thing, which is not a foul. Yeah, no, and I do not just, know how that wasn't a foul. <laughs> the ref was all over the place, very inconsistent across the board, and it, it's just it was it was so bad that even the people calling the game had to mention the fact that this ref is comp- really inconsistent, and they just lambasted him at halftime. Landon Donovan, ooh, he he said some stuff, and Clint Dempsey, not a fan. Of, he said he said some stuff, and he was clearly not a fan of how this game was controlled. Uh, the only thing that was consistent about the referee is both clubs were livid with him, which is not necessarily a sign of good referee. <laughs> also, uh, it just, yeah, man, none of this made like the highlight video I watched after work. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I am going to be left out of every conversation for the next four years about this team because I was at work today. <laughs> You'll, it'll be okay. We'll we'll fill you in. That's why you're on the show, so you can get first-hand, second-hand accounts of a first-hand watching of a game that happened while you were at work. It's okay. And, we'll and also, it's 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 the World Cup. It's not going to be hard to find um, uh, questionable <laughs> replays. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's not even to mention, though, the uh, very, very loose interpretation of what what constituted a yellow card in this match. Plenty of fouls that that well that the Wales players used that they, they took us out and they they didn't even get called and then Weston McKinney and Sergio Desco on a yellow card in the first like twelve minutes on fouls that they got ball on and even pulled out of so they didn't take the guy out on the same guy and it was just like ref what are you even doing I understand you got to control the game but you 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 if it's a if it's a yellow card one way it has to be a yellow card the other way and they did not follow that rule. This refing was terrible. Okay, look. So that first yellow card was soft. Absolutely soft. The second one, fine, I can see it. However, you've already called the first one. You've set a precedent for what is and is not a card. And then going forward, apparently it's not a card anymore. Because oh, plays like that yeah. do not get called anymore. It I, was insane. It was little league out there. I, uh. I, I, you all know I'm very critical of of refing in general in this sport. 
all of the time, but very rarely do I try do I, I I try to keep myself from blaming an entire game on the refing, but in this case, it was the refing that that kept that kept us out of this game of us putting this game away 2-0 going into half. Or, or even coming out of the start of the second half because we had mm-hmm. two players. Mm-hmm. We had two players on yellows that needed that shouldn't have been on yellows. It changed a bit of the dynamic. We were still dominant through the first half. The second half we let down, and and that's a whole different story. But the refing had more of a thing, more more to do with this game than I would normally let on. But he was bad for both sides, so I'm not going to ever say that the ref cost the U.S. No. this game. Um, the ref was extremely frustrating. However, we haven't gotten as far as what actually changed the game, and this was not the ref's fault. He got that. Oh one no, this right. was di- <laughs> this was directly yeah. Walker Zimmerman in the second half. Um, he does not. Oh, that go Zimmerman. In and make that okay, tackle. I feel I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, no. Finally, it was it's been unveiled which was be Zimmerman it was. <laughs> But going in, go. It's the ball's going around the box. Wales has been putting pressure on for a good long while, and we could we could feel that the things were changing a little bit. Um, and and I'm gonna argue that I think they got they got away with enough that they felt they could put pressure on and actually get away with stuff. That's my that was my point on the ref. You know, changing the game. Not saying he cost us the win, but he changed the game. Um, either way, though, Walker Zimmerman does not need to be leaving his feet to go in and and put a play on that ball as Gareth Bale is coming in inside the box. And even if Bale gets on that ball, he's back to goal. So he's still got to turn and find somewhere to pass that ball off to before he can make any sort of attempt at net. He does. Walker Zimmerman should not have been making that tackle. Absolutely flubbed that one. And then they give him a PK and Gareth Bale slots at home. Matt Turner got a hand on it. He got a hand on it, and it just wasn't enough to push it outside the bar. The man has a laser on him. He he's got a cannon. You know, we we can talk all the trash we want about him in MLS, whatever. The man has an absolute artillery piece. He, he oh, you yeah. were not going to stop that shot. You Matt Turner got like like a strong hand, and then also I think got the fingertips of his other on it. Yeah. You're not stopping that shot. If he's Unless diving with two right hands, he's you. not stopping it. But that's just Gareth Bale for you. He he shows up in big moments, and he doesn't take much time at all or many touches at all to actively put his mark on a game and say, boom, that's the result I was hoping for. I did my job. It, it, he's It's big game Bale. Big game mm-hmm. Bale came into play, and he showed up. And after that, the U.S. then went in and put a lot of pressure on Wales to, you know, take the lead back. But the story and how, well, the whole lead up to what happened here was the fact that the U.S. came out in the second half and just didn't have the same fire. And then you could see McKinney's been out injured, Despin's out injured and hasn't been playing much. They started to tire and on yellow cards. Um, Burhalter did not bring Gio Reyna in. We don't know if he's still injured. Uh, who can say? Uh, but the subs did okay. There wasn't a problem there. But the relentless pressure that Wales put the U.S. on led to a mistake uh, in this game. And the U.S. never really capitalized with that second goal in the first half when they had Wales under relentless pressure. It was a tale of two halves. And that was absolutely the story of the game. When Gio Reyna isn't on the pitch, everyone should be asking, where is Gio Reyna? And oh boy, was everyone asking, 
where is Giorena? <laughs> but, um, I mean, also, like, in the second half, they were really playing hack-a-shack with Pulisic, and he was not getting anything. He had to get, like, suplexed to get a foul called. And they went full UFC. It was like CONCACAF all over again. Just yeah. kick, Just kick this guy. He didn't have a great game either, but they pretty much were just kicking him all about the pitch. Just everywhere. You get pulled down from behind on a breakaway. Not even a foul, not much. Yes, a card, just letting the play go. It was, it was, uh, unfortunately, after watching like six World Cups U.S. been in, uh, seven of them, it's pretty much what you expect from uh, refereeing in the World Cup, and especially in the group stages. It's oh. pretty abysmal. Okay, this is maybe a little bit of an amateur opinion, but I saw the same kind of refereeing happening to Pulisic in CONCACAF tournaments, is it just that world referees don't like seeing a player this good from the U.S.? And so, because, like, they've always hacked Pulisic, and he's never gotten calls. He almost I, never gets foul, fouls called against him. And he's I not think- a he's not a flopper. It, these, these are genuine fouls that are committed against him, and they just aren't called. Here in the World Cup, in the Gold Cup, all everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not saying that that is what is happening here, but I'm not saying that's not what's happening here. Um, I've, I've seen players that are just as good as Pulisic, but also have been around a lot longer. You know, like Bale, where they could flop and they just, they just call it as a foul because it's like, oh well, you know, this is a really, really good player. But for the referee to let so many just blatant hacks and whacks at Pulisic go, that it, like at some point you have to card the next guy that that touches him for insistent infringement on the same player, and that did not happen at all. That's I, I'm not saying it's because they don't like the fact that the U.S. is finally good at soccer, but I'm not saying they're not mad at at the U.S. for finally being good at soccer. Well, most of the world's mad at the U.S. Period. Uh, that quite frankly, understandably so, yeah, but... That has a lot to do with yeah. it. But uh, a frustrating draw kind of felt like a loss, but after the first half. But the second half seems like a fair result, 1-1. Wales was far and away the better team in the second half. and uh, But it's not a disaster at all. Uh, they needed to get at least a point out of this. There's still the window to go through. England looked Awfully fantastic against Iran. Either England's really fantastic right now or Iran's just not very good. We'll find out, I guess, as it goes along. But uh, U.S. will have to uh, play play better and more consistently throughout the entirety of the game and learn how to close it out without allowing endless pressure and uh, maybe bunkering down or, or thinking they are got their one goal lead and they're going to win. It kind of felt that way in the second half, to be honest. All right, sorry I had to get up and come back real quick. But anyway, here is my tinfoil. What size hat do you guys wear? Um, I wear a size adjustable adult men's. I, I don't wear fitted caps unless I absolutely have to. All right, I, I see that. I wear a small yeah, I think to that medium. Much will do it. Okay, let's see. Medium, large. Okay, this may take some trial and error, but I'll have you guys some stuff the next tailgate. <laughs> Can I get mine with, like, jagged Mickey Mouse ears that look more like bat wings? 
I oh, want to piss off you. the mouse this is, man. This is genuinely such a good bit, Chris, except we're only on audio, so nobody knows what you just did. <laughs> I mean, I hope they can hear this right now. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. Now that yeah. we've fully Chris, wrapped Chris out. Chris just pulled out his tinfoil <laughs> because we were talking about conspiracies for the listener. <laughs> But now that we've fully uh, vested everything about uh, horrible refereeing, uh, the state of geopolitics in the world, <laughs> and, and, and uh, the state of uh, conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorists that are, uh, surround us all, let's take a look at what might be coming in the future matches for the U.S., what they can improve on, what you're looking for, and uh, who wants to start us off with that? Um, I'll, I'll take the start on this one. Um, I think Greg Berhalter said it best in his, uh, in his post-game interview. Um, they came out in the second half and Wales started playing a lot more direct, playing those hero balls over the top. Um, and we need to be a bit better at responding to that. They need to make sure that there's that, you know, we don't take the foot off the pedal. Um, and, and I mean, it's going to be a little difficult because we, we've got guys on yellow cards now and that's going to be hard to manage for the next two games because if they I, I believe it's that they get a second one at all they have to miss the next match um regardless um but either way it's it's now it's it's about managing um uh, managing to, to to stop direct balls because we're going to see a lot of that from england we're going to see a lot of that from iran um we need to be able to respond to that and then also just not not give up in the second half whether we have a lead or not we have to play foot to the floor the entire time um, but I do believe that those guys went out there and really tried their best to put everything out on the field that they could. Um, Sean, uh, when, what you said about yellow card accumulation, uh, I didn't know that. Is that through just the group stage or is that the whole yes. tournament? It should just be it group resets, stage. Um, I guess it resets after the group stage and then through the knockout rounds, it resets after the quarterfinals. So you don't miss the... They have it set up so you don't miss the finals on yellow card accumulation. Yeah. Well, but yeah, like that was strict. one of my thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was one of my thoughts sitting at um my desk today was when I saw like McKinney getting a yellow card in the eleventh minute. That is not a Man, good that, start. that makes those incredibly soft calls in the first even worse. Wow. Oh, mm. yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. I said, those cards changed the way that the entire team had to play because of it and for a while in the second half that's where i don't know if you guys noticed this watching it but wales started targeting that side of the pitch because we had uh mckinney and dest on yellow cards and they knew they couldn't go in and be any you know any sort of really aggressive in mm -hmm. tackles they tried to focus and, on that i mean yeah like you know i noticed that but i thought it was like because of like regular yellow card accumulation not because of this but uh, McKinney, McKinney's uh, took a knock, I think, at the end of the first half. And the second half, he was not moving. He was in probably longer than he should have been. Um, you could see him take his brace off when he left the field, and you could see the wrap on that thigh. Uh, yellow card accumulation might not be the problem. His fitness might be the problem. Yeah. Yeah, that, that could be it, too. Uh, we got a couple of guys that are still trying to work back from it. Um, and I think that's the reason we didn't see Geo is because um, there was a training exercise they did leading up to it that uh, it, 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 it he, he took a bump, but not quite a full on knock. But it seems like it was precautionary that he was left out of the game today so that he's 
you know, he, he makes sure he's ready to go for England because I think we're going to need his his pace and creativity to really do anything against England's backline. Yeah, I think that's actually the case as well. And we could see a difference there. But uh, they're also going to have to play. They're going to have to learn from this experience and play with a little more killer instinct because Wales, with all of their age and, you know, you can look at that. But down the stretch, they dug a little deeper. They played a little dirtier. They just knew how to keep pushing and pushing. And I thought it really showed in the second half uh, that just the, the experience factor. Yeah, it injuries are hurting us right now. But compared to a lot of the other countries at this World Cup, I'm not going to complain that hard. We're not Senegal without Mane. It's injuries have but one of the many things that are kind of ruining this tournament well at the same time though Senegal I did watch that game they still looked dangerous and, and still had chances um it, it, it wasn't a, a bad game played by Senegal at all they would have definitely had a much better chance if Mane was playing but uh no I, I think what's more so the problem is when players like uh like if you look at Iran their starting goalie went down with a concussion in the first half um, and, and that contributed to like 12 minutes of stoppage time in that game. Um, mm. and then also, uh, Harry Maguire for England went down with a concussion that contributed to the, to the 14 minutes of stoppage time in the second half. It it's the injuries during the tournament are going to hurt you more than in, you know, guys coming, you know, playing at like 80% in my opinion. But one thing you can look forward to in this tournament is that FIFA has handed down it was uh, discussed during the game by the commentators, handed down that they they want the ball in play. So they're keeping very, very tight track of uh, stoppages in play. So you're going to see a lot of stoppage time at the end of halves in the game. And we've already seen it today. Uh, the England-Iran game, there was a lot of injuries, took a lot of time. But just look at the Netherlands and Senegal. They had eight minutes at the end. We had, what, nine at the end of ours. Uh, so many people rolling around. People were blaming Wales for stoppages of play. Uh, the time's back, but you roll around and you stop things. Uh, that also disrupts the flow, and that might be a tool for uh, teams to use. It's something, you know, CONCACAF teams certainly know how to just break up the flow by going down and doing things like that. Sure, but like oh, we had four minutes of stoppage at the end of the first half in the U.S.-Wales game, and there was like, a goal and like three or four fouls and none of them required anything other than just getting the player back up. Yeah. you're going that, to that was not four minutes of stoppage, <laughs> but you're going to see more. If the goal celebrations might be kept track of, which they normally are not. They're or also given track of all the time you spend to get the throw-ins back in and all the goal kicks and how long it takes to set up for a corner kick. Um, they're keeping like literally, I guarantee you the moment that ball crosses the line, ref stops his watch and then starts it back up again. As soon as it hits play, um, they're, I think they're keeping real strict time on that. But one thing also to keep in mind is the U S had just a dominance of uh, possession in the first half and actually were able to, they moved the ball around in the hat in their half of the field and, uh, kept switching whales and had them stretched and had their opportunities but they only had one shot on goal, and that was the goal. Wales had three. So for everything that they had, 
uh, and they had some shots, but they just weren't able to put them on frame, and that has to improve, or they just won't make it out of the group stage. It doesn't matter what the referees do or what the coach does. you got to put the ball in the net if you want to advance out of the group. I, I think uh, one one kind of counterpoint to that actually would be uh, it's I, I don't I don't think, you know, only putting one shot on net was it, yeah, it's an issue. But I, I think more to blame was would be the lack of good service when it came to any sort of set piece like Pulisic got one ball from the corner. We had like four of them. He had one ball from the corner actually make it past that first Welsh defender. And it usually hit him like like he could settle it down and clear it right out. I actually I made a joke about this, which is that as soon as they brought Kellen Acosta on. Pulisic made his only good corner kick of the game. <laughs> but there was also so many times that they had the ball in a dangerous position and that final pass was not there. There was also Brendan Aronson was open for a header. He whiffed on the header. Pulisic also found Haji Wright making a run. Haji Wright wasn't paying attention for the pass. There's a lack of connections among these players because they just don't have a whole lot of games. Wales has many, many, many games with the same players under their belt. And that stuff does show. Uh, the only way to get the experience the U.S. needs is keep playing these games. There's no magic pill. You just got to play and play your way through it. They're good, but uh, you're in the World Cup. Their talent isn't that much better than anybody else's. Uh, Tyler Adams was the best player on the pitch, but the player with the most classic talent on the pitch was Gareth Bale. And who scored a goal. Uh, so the U.S. is just going to have to be more clinical, calm down a little, take things a little bit slower, be more aware is uh, if they're going to get out of the group. And that's what I saw. Yeah, um, I, I said it before the before the opening game of the of the whole tournament. Um, at least I said it in, in the discord. Um, I, I think the way that we're going to get the most out of this as a fan is to look at this world cup less as we need to make the deep run now. Cause we're finally back. Um, and it's business as usual. We need to start looking at as I think this is more of a setup cup for the 26 where we're hosting. And I think that would be more likely for us to make a deep run of any kind, because we'll have a cup under our belt with a lot of these guys and they'll be around for a couple of cycles, um, which we, we can don't really have. start setting those foundations now. Yeah, we don't have players with cycles under their belts. We got players with a few international games under their belts. And we still haven't seen Dest and Musa and Adams and McKinney and Pulisic and Reyna on the pitch at the same time. It has yet to happen. Don't know what happened today, why we didn't see it, but maybe that happened to do with it. I don't know. Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, when it comes down to, uh, you know, when you're when you're picking your starting 11, sometimes you have to go with what you know and not necessarily put the guys that are most talented on. You have to go with the best team. And yeah. so Reyna may not have fit into that plan today. That's very much likely if uh, Weah got the start over him on the wing, Weah's been able to make the runs. He was very dangerous in the first half, but he seemed to tire as well. Um, But he was exciting. So who can say? Having Gio Reyna on the bench, would he have made a difference? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But, uh, you know, doesn't matter much anymore because Friday it's England. 
And uh, they were out around 6-2, though Iran helped with England's goal differential by getting a penalty at 90 plus 13. So I thought it was 6. I turned the game off. I thought it was a 6-1 win for England. It was not. Uh, goal difference could make a difference. Iran really taking on the chin when minus 4 to 0 for the U.S. and Wales and uh, plus 4 for England. But I think everybody expects England to get out of the group stage in this tournament. <laughs> Come on, England. Don't score any goals. <laughs> there we go. And I think... <laughs> Okay, so let me let me regroup after that and finish what I was. Gonna <laughs> <say>. <laughs> give me give me a moment here. Oh, um, I I think goal differential is going to matter, but it's going to matter between United States and Wales. I think if the rest of this group stage goes the way people expect it to, which is an if, I think it's going to come down to. How badly do we lose to England? How much do we beat Iran? Mm-hmm. And I, th- that's what it comes down to. USA and Wales are fighting for that second spot. How close is it with England? How much do we beat Iran? And this is controversial to say on here, but I'm going to give Wales the edge in that. I, I th- think they have the experience. I They have the grit to keep it closer to England than we're going to. And... The problems we had today getting shots on net is going to hurt us racking up the score against Iran. And Wales is going to give England fits because that's a grudge match that's political, mm-hmm. geographical. Uh, the players all play in similar leagues. That's going to be, they're going to give England fits, I think. And I'm afraid more so than the U.S. can, unless England doesn't score six. I think they'll find it tougher against the U.S. And, uh, you know, it'll be like in South Africa where we get a draw and things will look better. Get a draw against England. U.S. Things wins look versus better. England 1-1. One, one. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> don't repeat 2006 and lose to Iran, though, in the third game of the group stage. We don't want to relive through that, those of us that did. But I think that's going to wrap up the recap of this uh, World Cup match and this show. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And I'm the man that wasted perfectly good tinfoil on a visual bit in audio medium, Chris. Way to go, Chris. (laughs) And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.